0: Welcome to the Kula podcast. I'm Stephanie Zira, Chief of Everything at Kula, and in this podcast series, I will speak with inspiring, passionate and skilled Kulas about thriving in your work, business and personal life. Kula is the network community that inspires you to live and give your full potential. By connecting people with shared values and different perspectives, including entrepreneurs, corporate professionals, creatives and freelancers, we aim to connect worlds. Want to become part of the community or become a partner? Feel free to reach out anytime. Contact me at stephanie at or go to the website koolasociety.com to find out more. Today's guest and most recent member of the Kula community is Amy Brown. Amy has 10-year-plus experience in brand, marketing and the advertising industry, uh, but actually started out in finance and investment banking, and you worked for Iris both in New York and in Washington D.C. Um, And this is where you led the digital and social departments. Then an opportunity at Iris came up for you, uh, and uh, that was to set up a strategy department in Amsterdam. Well, you planned to stay one year, but then you're still here. <laughs> the with... happened four years later. Yeah, four years later. Wow, that's such a long time. You've uh, successfully set up Phoenix Brand Strategy. You're helping people to find their story and manage its meaning. And uh, that was uh, the beginning of the life as an entrepreneur. Uh, Indeed. <laughs> yeah, so that's exciting and um, well that's my introduction about you but maybe you have something to
1: add um. yeah no it's i I'm really excited to be your first guest on the Cooler podcast and possibly share some lessons and thoughts that might be interesting to other people but um, yeah I think uh, when I started Phoenix in the beginning of 2019 I had that feeling that a lot of people get towards the end of 2018 we really got a good thing going. We built out a team, won some new clients. And when I was so busy and like uh, putting all my energy into that, that I never even thought about something else. And then I got that, that feeling of, okay, what's next? And I knew it was time to do something. And what I realized is the puzzle of strategy is what I loved and figuring out what is the role that a brand or a business can play in people's lives and how that changes from country to country from culture to culture as the world changes even in one specific place time and culture that to me was was fascinating and i felt that the execution side of the business was becoming really commoditized and i wanted to just do pure strategy and i felt also that opened me up to collaborating with any creative partners on the execution end so yeah so That's where um, the idea to start Phoenix came from. And now um, I actually was just reflecting on the fact that I had thought about doing one more year (laughs) at Iris and I thought, no, I'm just gonna go for it. I trusted my intuition, which was good because had I done that, I would have been starting Phoenix during COVID-19, which would have been far less fun. Um, But in hindsight, I think it's actually a great time now to be starting something new there's so much opportunity we can get into all that but uh yeah i guess that's just the only other thing i would add around um starting phoenix and the decision <laughs>
0: Apart from knowing what you do, I actually think it's quite interesting to get to know you a bit better. And also for everyone listening, I think it's quite interesting mm-hmm. uh, if I ask you a few uh, challenging questions. Go um, for it. So I, may, <laughs> I, I made your brain go crazy about preparing these questions. Um, but um, uh, yeah, so there we go. Well, one, um,
1: if you could share one thing about yourself with the world, what would it be? Yeah, I, uh, that's a good question. Um, one thing about myself with the world, I, to be honest, I don't really know. I feel like that's, if there was one legacy to leave, um, it's yet to be written. And I think what I've actually heard something reflected back to me a couple of times lately that I think is pretty nice. And what uh, people say that I do well is connecting people to help make change. Whether that's being in the, from a professional perspective, building brands, bringing in the right partners, the right team, the right collaborators, or just in like being open in my experiences, oh, you might like this person, and because you guys have this in common. And I feel like I'm always bringing together groups to um, just do interesting things. And yeah, I mean, you've been part of a couple of those. (laughs) Um, stuff so I think connecting people to help make change is not a bad thing to be remembered by um, in any way that is positive for the world
0: well actually uh, earlier you gave me an example which I think you really should tell because I think it's quite inspiring and it's like the little things that you can bring into people's life
1: and, and make that change and uh, well maybe you want to share that one. Oh, about the friends and family boot camp yeah, okay, yeah. so um in the beginning of COVID 19 i was talking to my dad and my stepmom and they were really distressed about the fact that our gym closed and or their gym closed they don't live here in amsterdam they're in dc and i kind of jokingly said well um carl and i are doing boot camp every day because you know we're going to come out of this one way it's going to be fit not another middle letter with an a like a mentality <laughs> yeah and um my dad was really serious and he was like okay okay but uh where do we sign up send us the links like what's the program so i thought okay fine like this is kind of funny and so i sent them a google meeting invite for captain quarantine um three times a week for an hour and from there it's grown into like a thing we've been doing for 10 or 11 weeks now and friends of mine from college have joined and um, other family members drop in and out I have a sister in Singapore so the time difference doesn't really work for her but sometimes she drops in with a glass of wine at night to heckle my dad which is hilarious um, <laughs> but for me the unexpected one of the unexpected uh, things that's come out of quarantine is this like fake fitness instructor position, but I actually love it. I love putting together the routines and I've always been going to classes and the fit person. So that's, um, it's a sort of a natural step, but I I love this idea of doing, giving back something a couple times a week to people that they really look forward to and it keeps us all accountable and and i see a lot more of this particular set of family and friends than i ever would otherwise Um, and now i see them three mornings a week sometimes four sometimes on the weekend and
0: that's actually quite interesting that that i mean because of this crisis you speak (laughs) to your family more and because you're using zoom and etc and it's really changing
1: yeah it's really fun it's hilarious but it's really fun yeah
0: (laughs) nice well, um, well, we all know that you are American and you're living in the Netherlands, yeah, so one thing that i I would personally be quite interested in to hear from you um is uh like what what is something about Dutch culture that um maybe the Americans should or could adopt
1: uh or have a bit more of yeah, um this is a great question. I think I'd like to start the other way around um because there are so many things about the, the Dutch culture. Well, okay, I'll, I'll look at it both ways. What can the Dutch learn from the Americans and what can the Americans learn from the Dutch? And I think that Dutch people have an incredible sense of balance and um, work-life balance in particular. And coming from a decade of working in advertising and marketing in New York, I didn't know this at the time, <laughs> but balance didn't exist in my life. Like I planned my life around my work and my career. And um, I'll never forget the first week I worked at Iris over here. I was preparing to take my laptop home with me at the end of the day, and they said, No, you put that in the laptop safe. And I said, Laptop safe? Like, what's that? Um, it's this cabinet where everyone gets a little slot and it gets <laughs> locked overnight. And I'm like, Okay, but what if you get emails? Like, you answer them in the morning. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> what? So. Um, No, I think that here people are very entrepreneurial. They really get stuff done. They're intense about their work, but your work is just one part of you. And I subsequently learned after a few social gaps that it's not nice to just ask people like the first question when you meet them, what do you do? That's a super American thing to do. Um, I know I was, so yeah, so I was in
0: in, uh, New York for Iris for a few weeks. And that was exactly the discussion that I had with people there. Like yeah. Everyone asked, oh, hey, so you're Stephanie, and what do you do? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. what?
1: Yeah. It's, it doesn't only define what I do, it's, it's who I am. And this was super interesting for me, and I, it really made me start to think about me as a multifaceted person and what other interests and hobbies defined me. And I think that's a really healthy outlook on life. Um, I also really like that you guys, you know, you have your expression, um, like do normal, (laughs) which I kind of, it says a lot, but, uh, growing up here, I think the pressure on kids is really different. And when you don't have the pressure to be the star, the star of the hockey team, the star of the school play, like the star of the class winning the spelling bee, it's a strange way to grow up because it teaches you you can be w- only two things, the star or a loser. Whereas here, you're just meant to like explore who you are. Oh, and so, I think that's such an interesting insight. It's fascinating, and I think that about that a lot as we think about my partner and I, like where we want to start a family. Um, there's pros and cons, and I'll get to the pro about Americanism, being American. It's a really interesting... Um, context for this question right now, but again, the balance thing, I think, is what I really appreciate most about Dutch culture. We're both very open and direct cultures, um, which has been interesting for me, primarily working in a British agency in the beginning. I felt like I was a translator at the time. But um, no, I think what's cool about America is there's a fundamental sense of optimism Um, that is part of the DNA of the country and I think the European view is quite long term in many ways and a lot of people will say this is better Um, but it has a slight pessimism to it and I think Americans are so optimistic about change and you can see it in American style democracy in four years there's a complete pendulum shift if the people vote something in things change overnight like the speed of it is mind-blowing and What we're seeing now, I think, is that the speed of it produces aftershocks, and the aftershocks of a pendulum swing are too much, and we need a moderating force in in the way change happens in the U.S., but right now, everyone's probably aware of the fact that the U.S., 140 cities are engulfed in, this is the eighth night of rioting, and racial injustice is a huge problem, it's entrenched in the system, it needs to change. But the force of change can be so strong in the US that maybe now it finally might. And there is there is enough optimism in this moment that things can actually happen and people really believe that. And I think that that is what is interesting about being American. And I also think it produces great entrepreneurs because we're optimistic, but we also know that you need to take risks um, and change sometimes comes with pain. and that is something that i think about a lot in terms of my tolerance and capacity to deal with risk taking so maybe that's uh, something that can be learned the other way around
0: do you, yeah do you, do you think that in the netherlands um, people take less risks or where do you think that comes from like
1: i think that people are um a bit more risk averse yes from an entrepreneurial perspective i don't know well well actually I think the Netherlands is one of the most
0: insured countries, most <laughs> insured countries. So yes. maybe that's something about that health protective uh, safety yes. net
1: and um, the idea of safety nets is very strong here. But yeah. this is um, you know more has more socialist influences um, in the culture, and we're used to operating without a safety net as Americans, and it it's terrible uh, on one hand. Like I think I read. Um, yesterday, last night, the 52% of American households cannot come up with $400 in case of an emergency. And you see just how thin the margins are. 50% of the country is living on the verge. and But we are used to operating without safety nets. And I think that this is what makes you take, take it all, take all the risk, and you got to go for it sometimes.
0: Yeah. Well, well, super insightful, I think that's, that's something that... right with the
1: big questions, right away. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's like such a big topic and and huge, and and I'm sure there's so many million answers to this question, and probably there's so many more layers to that as well. But um, I'm actually quite interested in you as well, like, what do you feel, like, what talents have brought um, you to what you have achieved in your life at this point?
1: Um, that's a, that's a good question. I think what talents, and I'm reticent to talk about this, I guess maybe traits would be the better word and the traits that, uh, there are traits I like about myself and traits that I don't, but, um, resilience and the ability to sort of bounce back, I think is, uh, one that has defined me in a lot of the roles I've had. Interestingly, most of the Companies I've been hired in three of the last four roles, there wasn't a job description. I met with the people, and they were like, We just kind of like you, and you figure it out. And being able to take a setback and look at it and say, Okay, that didn't work, let's try something different, I think Mm -hmm. is a really good quality. And that's also the risk taking because you are American. Possibly, it's all related. (laughs) But, um, I think a good example is with Iris, like the first couple of months, I just had my view on this is strategy. This is how we do things. The things are going to change. I really butted heads with the creative director, Tom. I was like, oh shit, I don't know if this is going to work out. But I decided, okay, it's me that needs to change. I rolled up my sleeves and I said, I'm just going to be useful for the first six months. I'm just going to prove that it's good to have me around and then I will start (laughs) exerting my opinions very strategic (laughs) Um, and we became we started to win some pitches and we became friends and that eventually you know led to two and a half more great years there but resilience I think is a key thing and in society today I think um I've been talking about this a lot recently resilience is something we need to start thinking more about as a society. And so on so many levels, I'm talking about ecological resilience when it comes to like sustainability, how we think about systems, planning, but also resilience in terms of people and businesses, how how we run things, how we treat our employees and our colleagues, mental health, like what, even the way universities teach students, I think there's been a lot of interesting writing around how students are somewhat coddled and particularly in the u.s and we need to be teaching people to be resilient to be more analytical what do you mean with they're being coddled? coddled c-o-d-d-l-e-d-z it's very u.s word like um (laughs) they're kind of shielded from things that might be unpleasant but it's it's better to sort of have a crash course in real life um but anyway i think i think um being resilient and that's also a little bit in the name of phoenix by the way this idea that it is the the number of times that you learn a hard lesson get knocked over and come back in a new form that's resilience and that's ultimately what defines you and where you learn the most and um i just liked the symbolism of a phoenix and then i also heard after I picked that name which was like randomly in the shower one day. Um, Well that's where most good ideas start right? Um, I also learned it was also a spirit animal of my horoscope sign. We can get into that in another podcast but yes I do like some spiritual um, things and pay attention to some uh, cues from that world but um, yeah I think the reinvention and reinventing yourself and being willing to do that, being open with how that's happened in your life, um, is a good trait to have. The other one is curiosity. I think, so I have to credit Elizabeth Gilbert, the author of Eat, Pray, Love for really sort of like articulating this into solid advice, but it's the best piece of advice I've heard. And, you know, we used to hear in the last few years or so, a lot about follow your passion passion, passion, passion. That's what you have to find. You have to understand it and chase it and do something that makes you passionate. And she said, actually, that's bullshit advice because it just puts unnecessary pressure on you. What you really should pay attention to is follow your curiosity. And she couldn't be more right about that because if you follow your curiosity, the passion is inherent in that. And if you are doing something that makes you naturally curious, you will go to the next step because you want to go to the next step not because it's on your to-do list And I think that that has led me to a lot of interesting clients a lot of interesting projects interesting people Um, yeah it gives you an
0: intrinsic motivation to to chase something or to go after something
1: and I think it's great career advice for planners Um, there's a lot of ways to do it just like be curious about people why they do what they do ask questions in your life Like, don't take the same commute to work every morning. What happens if you take a different route? Do something, you know, do something different in your day. Just the curiosity about why people, who they are and what their stories are. Um, Curiosity has taught me also a lot about how to be a better salesperson, interestingly enough. Which is also something I'm quite curious about to hear from you. Yeah, so I hated the idea of sales and... I knew, starting my own business, that I was going to have to start selling myself. <laughs> um, I was selling selling myself and my business and what I do. But I also knew that that wasn't going to work if I thought about it like that. So I had to reframe it and reframe the mindset completely. And as strategists, right, you're used to using techniques like reframing. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to use this on myself and um, think about sales in a different way. And I started to think of it as if you really are curious about any person you see sitting next to you on a train at a restaurant at a dinner um standing next to you in your boot camp who are they like you really have no idea what their story is and what they do for a living what they're passionate about if you just start asking questions about people like oh um do you come to this class often and you never know what you're going to find out and oftentimes you might find out that the person in your running class or that you've just spent 30 minutes sitting next to you on a bus has a brother who's the CEO of some company and they're looking for a new brand strategy or just the more curious you are about other people's lives, they also will ask about yours and naturally it gives you a window to talk about what you do and why you do it in a way that doesn't feel like you're pushing it on people
0: yeah that's super interesting advice and um i think um yeah so there's another question so so i actually wanted to go into more about work and like what you do Mm -hmm. but then also how you do things and I think this is definitely quite relevant for other people to hear as well because uh, for some like the business uh, has not going great over a corona crisis or people mm-hmm. have lost clients or they need to shift and like look for different types of clients um, and uh, so yeah maybe you have some advice on that on on yeah how, how you approach that of like getting a new business other than the curiosity or...
1: Um. Yeah. Okay. So this is funny because you've heard me talk about this the spreadsheet, right? Yeah. I think um, I really, when I first started, I knew okay, you're not the first person that has started a business. What are the basics? What do you? What are the things that you need to do um, that work? And keeping track of potential leads, I started a very simple Google Doc, and I just would write down like who it was that I spoke to um what I what the idea was like next steps key dates and follow-ups and I would try to set up three meetings a week and one of them could be with a collaborator um which by the way is a great strategy it also helps you really practice getting in the habit of setting up meetings and um, collaborators could be in my case other strategists agencies creative freelancers production companies um you know, people that that work for like media outlets, anyone who I might partner with in the future. Old clients is the second category, or current clients, and then potential new prospects, like the people that you've met on the train or in the boot camp Yeah, because um. because
0: um uh, you already did a session for Kula on yeah. brand communication on COVID, and I think uh, we'll hear some like top top line insights from that session later. But um, uh, then that that was also a question that was being asked. And then, uh, well, someone asked me before that session and then I s- actually said, well, I do know that wherever Amy goes, her clients will
1: follow her. So well, it's also a gets, case this of... This gets to my next point. The yeah. sheet is a tool, but what is really, really solidified in my mind lately is everything comes down to people. And for me, that was just sort of a more tangible track record of everyone I spoke to and how good I was at following up with them. But what I've thought is really interesting about this COVID and everyone being on Zoom all the time is I don't feel weird just like calling or sending a message to someone I don't know that well on LinkedIn and asking for a virtual coffee. And um, the more time you spend talking to people and just checking in with the people that you do know, with your clients, with your colleagues, um, you know, with people that you want to work with. I think that they're, during this time, especially, people need connection and they like having these appointments set and I think it really, like, energizes your day to connect with others and um, invest in the time you spend talking to people and just genuinely checking in with people and I think that, that's a, a good way to understand like okay what are their problems Do they maybe they didn't know someone who ne- needs your help or that kind of thing so yeah I, I
0: really under, like I, I have the same thing like I yeah. think it's always so relevant and and you never know where you end up with like if you just start the conversation you don't know where it goes yeah there's always opportunities coming from it there mm-hmm. there's like so much energy
1: exchange and yeah it's always interesting that's a really good one. Jim. Energy is a good, um that's also a good uh, topic to get into uh, as far as being an entrepreneur goes. I
0: think energy is like, uh, you already said that that is like such an interesting topic and maybe we should do a second session on that because I think balancing yeah. and balancing your energy uh, whilst being an entrepreneur is super, super relevant. Yeah, you have and, to um, figure that out. It's probably something yeah even if you're a starting entrepreneur but it could, it could also be later like there's so many different phases so yeah, yeah. I, I'd love to hear from, from you on that
1: um, and I guess the other there's one more thing really when it comes to finding new clients and I think I also might have mentioned this um, before but thought leadership and um, putting a little sample of what you do out there is useful for attracting new people to your business because it gives them a sense of how you think Um, so what I, you mentioned the COVID communications framework for brands and what that really was about is using this moment to help brands reset and think, how can I show up for people? Like, what am I really doing? What am I here for? What's my purpose? Um, what problem do I solve in people's lives? And it divided the COVID, this pandemic into phases from phase one, when there's a lot of denial and to the next, which is anxiety about where things are going, to this sort of um, adjustment loop, to the new normal, and for each phase, what I really did is I looked at well, what are the what are the needs, functional and emotional needs, driving people in each phase, and then from that, how can you respond as a brand? And um, so the framework was really I originally created it for clients of mine and. Um, It was thinking about... So, for example, in Phase 2 Anxiety, one of the great things you can do is help people find ways to structure their day and add routine and um, a sense of normalcy, a sense of balance. And then I just added a lot of examples of here are companies and brands that are doing this already. And um, that document... It's not long. It's like 15 or 16 slides. Um, I shared that publicly because my role as my business is how can I show up right now? And it wasn't just to help um, a few people. It was to help any business out there that needed it. And um, it was really cool to see people messaging saying, I'm using this with my team for brainstorms. Um, Old clients I hadn't spoken to in years got back in touch. So Um, interesting. You know, just to say, oh, this is like really, this is great. Thanks. And then... um, Fortunately, my university was able to organize an internship so I have students in cognitive studies and behavioral science that are and one student who is helping me create a living archive of examples of what businesses and brands are doing. Yeah, and in that's each of those so, and that's phases. something
0: that you're like big big on on examples because like also examples from different industries
1: teach you something yes insightful for your own industry yeah and um so tools frameworks um thinking so thought leadership just writing about why you do what you do and how you do it these are time intensive but you don't have to do that every week like that's maybe something if you do one or two quality pieces a quarter
0: yeah and uh, actually uh, for everyone listening I think it would be quite interesting to to look it up but
1: you can find it on uh, Amy Brown's uh, LinkedIn page yeah or sure my it? website phoenixbrandstrategy.com um, yeah and I think uh, the response to that gave me the motivation to do my next sort of side research which um, is a collaboration with a few other strategists in different parts of the world but it's about the new normal, and um, it's really looking at resilience, um, which is a topic that I already mentioned is like quite personal. Um, but it looks at resilience and how that plays a role in people's navigation of life moving forward. And what are the pairs of tensions that are defining the new normal? How do these tensions impact people's lives? And um, what are their needs that are sort of pushing? the vacillation back and forth um things like apathy versus empathy this is going to be something that is very defining of life going forward and what is it that's the underlying need there um structure and control versus fluidity like what are these different pairs of tensions and what i want to do is produce a thought piece that looks at all the other research quant and qual out there make sense of it into some bigger trends and provides a list of questions around how you can think about um, consumer behavior or human behavior going forward um, as a lens when you're designing new products new services or just repositioning your brand or telling your brand story Um, so that's something that I've got now three other people helping me out with and all different nationalities different parts of the world we'll really be able to put a good east-west perspective on that and make sure it makes sense everywhere. So that's something I'm quite excited for.
0: Nice. Yeah. Looking out for what, what's more to come. So I would like to ask you, like, what is, um, what is it what you see in your industry happening right now? Because um, obviously it's a weird mm-hmm. time. And then industry, I mean, would it be marketing, advertising,
1: brand yeah there's a um, it's a really good question. I think um, well they're all these are all really good questions. but one thing, one big thing that's happening, and this is client side, this is uh, freelancers, this is advertising side, agency side, um, de-specialization. I think that when you have built an organization to the point where people play such specific roles and swim in such defined swim lanes, you actually build an organization that's not able to deal with change. Um, so generalists are that we've always had, I think in the creative industry, especially on the agency side, this sort of balance between generalism and specialism and oh, how do you, do we need a mix or do we hire the generalists and outsource the specialists or does having a specialist in house make you more appealing, um, for clients, but I see generalists who are really good at a bunch of different things, generalists, let's call it generalists with multiple specialists, specialisms. Um, there's an interesting (laughs) Tim Ferriss podcast about that actually, by the way, I think generalists have a skill set that includes, um, pivoting and improvising improvisation. Um, and these are skills that are useful right now. So in our industry, I think there's more value being placed on, people that can operate in those roles. And I think it's quite interesting for new grads or younger people looking for jobs. Um don't worry about being an expert in something. I think if you have core skills like being analytical, being curious, being hardworking, um, being willing to change and pivot, like that is going to be more valuable to companies. So mm. that's it's changed the lens of I think how people viewed the whole recruiting and job search in our industry in the last few years
0: yeah and I think um what's interesting because I I spoke to a lot of uh, people from Kula and I I feel like a lot of people feel like they are generalists Mm -hmm. but then it's also difficult to to get to find that niche or that freelance gig or uh, because you feel like a generalist and 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 overall, I feel like the jobs that are on LinkedIn, everywhere, they are focused on, like,
1: you need to be able to do this. And and that makes it complicated to... Um... That's a good point. I think it is complicated. But I would say ignore the title and look at the core skills that are needed and whatever specifics you can learn. Yeah. Um, a piece of software is something you can learn. Yeah. Um, you know, if you need to learn how to use, like, Adobe or Canva or whatever, like, OK, you'll learn that. Um, Yeah, I I think, I do, I know what you're saying, and I think that generalists have to deal with a bit more imposter syndrome, but um, just remember that there's skill and value in being a generalist, and don't forget Mm -hmm. that, and you, the fact that you can be good at different things is not um, a downside. And maybe it's also
0: the thing that you said, usually, um, well, I don't know if you identify yourself
1: as a generalist specialist, but... uh, well, I I guess um, I would say brand strategy is building brands, and that is quite general. It mm-hmm. includes, like, I can cover a lot of different specialisms from digital channel strategy to um, building comms, frameworks, and architectures to thinking about social. Uh, all of these things fit in building a brand. Yeah. So um, knowing a bit about media and how that works. and But the other thing that being a generalist, Allows you to do is that you know when specialists need to be played in. So when you get a client and you build a good relationship, you have a good overall view of what projects should come next in the brand's life plan or mm-hmm. how it's built. And you then can bring in other specialists where needed. So you become valuable if you have solid client relationships by being a generalist who can help orchestrate. Um, a project and, and how the pieces should fall yeah if that makes sense yeah I
0: think that's super interesting but taking back to um, the beginning what you said like usually I, I I sort of co-create a job so I meet someone or I, I yeah. start talking to a company and then it's like this role is being created <laughs> yeah. sort of with me but I think that says something about well, maybe also overcoming imposter syndrome, but also sort of like knowing that that your, your um, skills and your knowledge and your expertise will be used
1: to the full potential. And think about that from the employee or the person you're hiring's perspective too. That says a lot about the company. So I will never forget. And the first time I went to work for Iris in New York, the a woman who hired me, S.D. Gorman, one of my old bosses, um, she said, she just said, she's like, I don't know, we don't have a job. Like, we don't have a description that describes you, but I think we just need you and then you can sort of carve it out and make it happen. And I thought that is so cool that a company does that. So it gave me a lot of respect for a different mindset of like looking for the right people and looking for talent. Um that I keep in mind, it, it, it has influenced today when I look for people for Phoenix, whether it's like project or just um, to hire someone. I'm looking for people with those skills around curiosity who are willing to roll up their sleeves. They can be quick learners. They can pivot. Um, the world doesn't go as you plan it. I think we all know that. So the better you can roll with it, um, you know, the, the more valuable that makes you. Um, but yeah, I think... I think that really stuck with me Uh, and that was I don't know ten years eight ten years ago but uh, yeah yeah it's funny I I always feel like when someone says that like
0: some the job was created for me I I always get really happy about that (laughs) because I think that's super cool like you get to do what you're good at what you like to do and uh, and the company gets most out of the most value out of you
1: and you know the you design your own KPIs as well. And, um, so that it's not, I would say it's not easy, but it's, it's a super fair way of working and, um, you, you know, everything's in your control. And I think maybe that was an indicator about why I would like being an entrepreneur, but everything is in your control. Like you are the only one in charge of your KPIs. You can choose to set them or not. (laughs) Um, yeah, I think, uh, You are creating your job as you go. You're building something as you go. So actually trying, you know what, no matter what job you're in, it's a healthy mindset, I think, to take that approach and create your role, whatever role it is, because it gives you good skills and good practice for maybe doing that for real with a business someday. Good advice. So what has been most
0: challenging for you um, and how did you go about it? And, And I guess... Well, it also depends, like maybe you want to apply that to your entrepreneurial adventures or,
1: Um, okay. So yeah, there's a couple of challenges. I think the, the sales thing was interesting for me, but if you find a way to reframe it to yourself, that makes sense. It's possible to overcome. Um, Two things that I think are interesting when you start out as an entrepreneur, well, for me, I had always had a, a job and I always knew where a paycheck was coming from and getting over having stability and trading that for instability was tough. And I think I probably in the first couple of months, I mean, I was like freaking out in the Albert Heijn grocery shopping, <laughs> like, <what? laughs> having multiple panic attacks over in the course of a week. And I look back and I'm like, what was I so worked up about? But um, it took time to replace the uncertainty with excitement. And now I know that if I do the things that work, getting back to simple tools like the spreadsheet and just like sticking with your beliefs around spending time investing with people, um, if you do the things that work, it will come. Um, the, the clients will come and the business will come. And if you do work you believe in and that keeps you curious, with people you like and you're able to sort of make money while doing that that's a pretty good very simple rule of thumb to stick with um i think that during that process of managing uncertainty and waiting to round that corner where the the fear was replaced with excitement i had to really examine fear and what i found is that fear can be a a really good tool Um, if you use it and never make a decision not to do some, this isn't like my advice. I mean, probably famous people (laughs) said this, but never make a decision not to do something because of fear. There's a lot of useful resources out there to think about how to get over that. And an interesting one is asking yourself, are you really okay with the status quo? If nothing changes from today, are you okay with that? If you don't do this, are you okay with that? Um... Um, an exercise around thinking about, really thinking about scenarios. What can you learn? What could you possibly learn from doing this? What are the outcomes? What's the worst case scenario? So like, do go there and envision what, what are the worst case scenarios. Um, but think about it as what you can learn from these. And it goes from simple things like, I really respect this person. I've met them once, but I want to ask them to be a mentor. Um, I've done that and, you know, I'm so glad that I did. At first I was like, there, why would they ever say yes to this? But people need to, people like to be useful and, um, needed. And it's such a flattering thing for someone to ask you that. And, um, so I thought to myself, what's the worst thing that happens if I do? They say no, great, whatever. Like I'll find (laughs) more mentors, um, to going ahead with a project that, Maybe you've done it before, but in a slightly different way. Upside, you're taking a risk, but you're really going to learn whether your methods of doing this particular project are really the best that there are. And you will find out if you need to educate yourself, investigate the market, find new tools. Um, You know, are are you really... Do you need to refine your services? And taking a project where there's an element of risk... I think, um, opens you up to being better at what you do. So fear is a a useful tool if you can manage it. And the other thing is the antidote to fear is curiosity. So if you can just be curious, not keep that mindset of, I don't know what's going to happen, but that's actually good that I don't know what tomorrow looks like. You know, things are going to change, but when you're having a bad day, what you can be damn certain about is that knowing that it will change is good so the fact that change comes is inevitable and I think it's really um you can stay open to what the change will bring and what you can learn I think that uh that's super powerful but these lessons take months to learn and a lot of um I saw a diagram once of what being an entrepreneur looks like and it's like you know like like Up, down, up, down, (laughs) up, down. Like, there's no in-between. And it's really true because the ups are so up and the downs can be really down. But... um, Yeah, and then
0: taking that to business becomes personal. And, yeah, Yeah. it it basically comes down to the energy and balancing.
1: Yeah, so the energy thing. But it comes back to people and having networks like Kula where you can actually check in with other people and just, just talk. Like, sense check yourself, perspective check yourself... Um, it's really important the role of community I think uh, since I left Iris and started out on my own the power of networks and communities has really increased in my view like a hundredfold I can't say enough about um, creating your own even so like um, surrounding yourself with small groups that you like to get together to just discuss an interesting topic Maybe it starts as a book club that fails, but you like each other, so you (laughs) keep talking, Um, things like that. But um, an energy, yeah, the energy question, it's critical that as an entrepreneur, you understand yours. Um, What I mean is, where do you get your energy from? What exhausts you? What energizes you? And then you have to manage that. So are you a morning person? Or do you work best at night? Does meeting people energize you? Or does it exhaust you? Um, For me, I know that if I start my day on a project where I'm loving it at the moment, like really curious about it, interesting people, maybe it's even something pro bono. If I start out my day with working on that, it actually sets the tone for the rest of it. And I also found out that um some people would say okay if you have a mentally exhausting day like you just need to rest for me it's the opposite a physical activity is super important and never more so than now i like to like try and squeeze in a run or um i found some amazing trainers on instagram to squeeze in like a 30 minute apps on fire or whatever but the i get energy from um spending my energy on those things Um, and I know that now and I also know that I need to be physically exhausted at the end of each day so and there's a lot of ways to sort of find out this stuff about yourself um I mean yeah yeah we could do a whole another session on that but spending time really thinking about your energy is critical because if you don't do it you'll burn yourself out you'll be tired all the time you'll be cranky and you won't have anything to give and like this is about giving the best from yourself so yeah nice beautiful words (laughs) (laughs) okay that sounded very cheesy
0: (laughs) no i like We can cut that out
1: (laughs) (laughs) um
0: well i i think i think it would be nice um I don't, I don't even know if this is like a podcast thing and if this w- would work. But, mm-hmm. but what I hope is that um, people get a bit of a glimpse about who you are, what you do, yeah. what you're into, etc. And, and then, I mean, maybe it can lead to more interesting connections as well. And yeah. then people, uh, well, speaking to you as well from Kula and, and interac- interacting. And what is something you've been super excited about outside of work?
1: That's a good one. So, like, for me, I'm getting yep. super into, actually, UX and product design and how behavioral science relates. And um, then regenerative agriculture and gardening and, like, growing stuff. And that's been, like, super fun for me. So, And how did it start? Okay, I saw a post on Instagram in, like, the f- week two of corona, and it said... 17 fun science projects for kids. I don't have kids, but I like science projects. So (laughs) (laughs) I looked at it, and it was like, one of them was like eight foods you can grow with just water, like putting a piece of celery or scallions or whatever in a jar. And I did it. And then, you know, these these are great for kids because they take, like, days, not weeks. And I was just (laughs) amazed at... Yeah, I don't have a ton of patience. (laughs) Um, I was amazed at just the life watching life grow. And during those first few weeks of Corona, it was my favorite thing to do is get up in the morning and look at my, my plants. And just by the end of the day, you could see new life growing. And I got really fascinated by foods that regenerate. And I did some research and I happened to catch a post on Instagram about, um, it was from creatives for climate here in Amsterdam and it was about a regenerative agriculture brief. and, And I thought that could be really interesting so I joined the call. There was like 40 people on it. I asked some questions. And um, the thing about fear, I thought the brief was interesting, but I was totally confused by what was needed and what the problems were. So I spent the weekend just like thinking about how do I see it? Like, what is the actual brief? What's the problem at hand? How would I take this information and make it interesting for creatives to work on? And then I sent it to the group. and was like, I'll just, you know, maybe they don't answer or whatever. It was an interesting problem to spend a couple hours thinking about. And, um, that has led to now I've been working super closely with the producer from creatives for climate and with the clients regenerate now who are this incredible organization based in New Zealand that have started urban farmers Alliance for the love of bees, which is about bee friendly cities and, um, regenerate now themselves and everything that they do, organic market gardens, OMG is another thing of theirs, but everything they do is about climate safe, regenerative agriculture, which is this principle that when we grow things, we should grow in a way that heals the land as we use it. Because farming practices today are killing our planet's soil. One third of our planet's soil is dead. And if we continue farming this way, we will not be able to feed ourselves as a planet. Um... So regenerative agriculture for me has become fascinating. And just working with this organization and thinking about the network of global partnerships available. And in Amsterdam right now, um, the city policy has adopted donut economics going forward. Regenerative agriculture is a big part of that. And it just has opened my eyes to a world of really interesting, smart, passionate people. and it's all led from an Instagram post about kid science projects. So that's also awesome. curiosity for you. <laughs> yeah. Great yeah. example. Great example. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah,
0: super cool. Is there something that uh, you uh, would need from community, or are you really curious or interested to to um, reach out or connect? Yes, yeah, so you know what I
1: actually loved um, on the last Kula. Uh, thing that I did which was talking through the framework I loved that people asked real questions um, mm-hmm. one of your members said um, our service is really popular right now so we actually had to go dark um, so what do you do Like what? Do, and thinking about the scenarios and um, what are the options there and how could you approach this I really loved the real openness around sharing real business questions and I think it was helpful to other people on the call as well Um, so I'm always up for just chatting around an interesting question or an interesting problem. It doesn't mean I'm going to try and like sell you on (laughs) strategy (laughs) services. You think it would be fun to work together, then maybe that comes down the road, but maybe not. Maybe it's also just an interesting conversation. Yeah. And like, there's so much value in filling your day with interesting conversations. It, you never know what triggers in the back of your mind. It might push to think of an idea for another brief you have or another totally separate Mm -hmm. project or conversation that you, you know, are thinking about. So, um, that is like what I value from a community like this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that comes down to the sort of,
0: you have your knowledge and your passion and your skills and, and sharing that with other people. And, other people might not have that that experience or knowledge or or uh, lesson. They haven't had these life lessons that you've had. But they have different exchanging ones that. Is learning so interesting. Their
1: perspectives yeah. and learning their side of the story. And um, yeah, I'm always. I heard. I heard that. And the other day, once you stop learning, your brain literally, like scientifically, starts dying. So just talking to people is a learning experience. You honestly never know what you're going to learn. Um, so I yeah. So great well thank you so much (laughs) i mean this was
0: such a packed session and and a lot lot of information and i think we could almost listen to this podcast for like three times or something and still get new insights and maybe it hasn't been the most structured one because it was the first uh, first one but um well i'd love i loved having you on the first podcast yeah it's really fun i
1: really enjoyed this yeah well thank you so much for you're welcome uh, for joining excited to uh, meet all the rest of the Kula community at future events